Rachel and Amanda are different people, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Perfect. Welcome to Audrey's Female Leads. <laughs> I hate us. Welcome to another episode of Average Female Leads. Welcome back. I'm Amanda. And I'm Rachel. Rachel, how are you? How is your week? I missed you so much. So disastrous without you by my side as always. <laughs> I see that we're still codependent as ever. Uh, my week has been good. I, I think we both received incredible feedback from our first episode, which is just been amazing and such a confidence boost for both of us, I think. Yeah, it was great to hear that kind of what we were talking about resonated with a lot of people um, and really appreciate the support thus far. Send us topics and things that you want us to talk about. We've got a running list of them and we, we can't wait to, to dive into it, but um, would love to hear your thoughts and opinions as we continue on this journey. Absolutely. On the note of being supportive, but also just being classic parents, my my mother immediately listened, like as immediately after we announced it, she listened and she called me and she said, who's, who's pressuring you to have children? I've never pressured you to have children. And I was like, mom, <laughs> It's not about you. It's not about you. And then my father immediately texted me and said that I talk too much like a valley girl and I go to, up too high on the end of my sentences and that my intonation is weird and that he thinks I should just work on that. And I was like, Great. awesome, dad. Thanks, dad. Thanks for the feedback. <laughs> Love you. Love you. No, my mom replied with a very, she was like, you and Rachel have great chemistry. Um, it's a very spirited discussion between you guys. But then she was like... By the way, I had your brother when I was 28, not 29, and you're not a ninth generation Washingtonian, you're in seventh. I'm like, Jesus, close enough, Fact-checking Susan. I know, but also, she's, she's great. Love you, Mom. Um, Susan's the best. But on the, on the family note, something really funny happened this week, which was that I, I got an uh, email from Ancestry.com. Um, I mentioned last week that I um, took that DNA test and yes. kind of plugged my, my DNA into the Ancestry.com database, which is really interesting. I like it better than the 23andMe. Um, we can get into that some other time. But um, <laughs> they had a recent update that got to make their locations even that much more specific about where your heritage is, uh, where you're from. Um, and I l- logged on to find out that my um, Eastern European Jewish level rose from from 99% to a hundred. Of as, course. <laughs> as if I couldn't be more Jewish. You leveled up from Jewish <laughs> AF to Jewish as fuck. Yeah, I, like, I wonder what new information was somehow like aggregated into the d- database right. to be like, oh no, Amanda, you're even more than you thought. <laughs> what like distant aunt of yours went on to Ancestry and leveled you up that 1%? Like, who are they? Who are they? And then I got a direct message on Instagram from someone baklava underscore babe jesus and i it was like hey i'm your cousin from ancestry.com and i was like should i really reply to this fine like i'll just please this girl that's wild like who you know what cousin are you and she's like oh they said we're like fourth cousins i'm like Bitch, get in line. i've got (laughs) a small army of fourth cousins on ancestry.com at least five thousand people all of which have like the most jewish sounding names (laughs) And it's like, what does that even mean? We are probably fourth cousins. We are probably... It means that our ancestors, generations ago, once farmed land next to each other in the old country. That's all that means. Like, maybe delivered milk to one another and, like, milked each other's cows. Like, that's it. But baklava, girl... Babe, 23. 23, one, two. She just... She needs some fam. She and needs- you are the fam that she needs. So maybe... 
I don't know. Maybe just be there for her. I'll just be there for her. I'm, I'm there for you whenever you want to eat more baklava. So I thought that we would play um, this game that um, my friends and I invented hungover one time during brunch in college where we just really wanted to commiserate with each other but also uplift each other at the same time as we were feeling so crappy. And the game is called Fucking Love, Fucking Hate. And you guessed it. All you go around and say is one thing you fucking love and one thing you fucking hate. And it's not something you like casually love. It's something you fucking love. So I just want to make that distinction perfectly Thank you clear. For contextualizing a game that, that is... I invented. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So on that note, Rachel, tell me something you fucking love. So one thing that I am fucking loving is something that all of the feminist Instagram accounts that I follow posted like literally on the same day, <laughs> all within hours of each other. And it was this study, this research study that was done that found that howler monkeys can either have large vocal boxes or they can have uh, large balls, but they can never have both. So essentially howler monkeys <laughs> can either have loud, obnoxious voices and small genitals or, <laughs> or not. And Obviously, there might be some correlations here uh, with our cousins in the monkey family. <laughs> but I do love that this is your fucking love. The very first one that we're kicking this off with. I really do appreciate it because it seems... It's pretty, pretty on brand. It's pretty on brand. <laughs> I am just... we Amanda and I talk about this a lot where we talk about this notion of look how big my dick isn't. Mm. Uh, which is a, a term that we coined for mostly men, but also women can do this too. Where they walk into a room... And they have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Or even if they do, it's all about commanding a room in a way that is disrespectful to other people and just showing and how, their ideas and their ideas and just showing how big your dick is or isn't in this case. And I and just think it's really interesting. This research study. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Thank you for highlighting that, Rachel. You're welcome. Um, just educating the children, <laughs> educating the children. What are you fucking hating? On a totally different note, one thing that I am fucking hating is anything that is not a high-rise fit. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> preach. I was cleaning out my closet, like Marie Kondo style, last weekend, and I didn't own a lot of high-rise or low-rise pants to begin with, but there were pieces that I was like, this is not covering my belly button, therefore I will never fucking wear this. Wow. So you don't think that this is like a trend in yeah. Rachel that you're going to... Because, you know, no. trends come and go. Like, everything makes this very cyclical. It's going to come back around. I have always had... I have a curvy body type, small waist, big butt, big thighs, and I cannot wear low-rise jeans. They, like, just full transparency, my butt will show. And then like when you're sitting down, you get that like weird gust of wind going yes. down your back and you're like, I'm terribly uncomfortable. I'm terribly uncomfortable. And also just... I, I think most people look better in high-rise jeans. I'm just going to... I'm making a statement. Everyone looks better in high-rise pants. Great. Fact. Fact. Love it. Facts Done. Facts America. That's it. <laughs> Amazing. What are you loving? Oh, guys. I fucking love this new account on Instagram. It's called Velvet Coke. Do you follow them? I don't follow Velvet oh Coke. Oh, my God. But I'm pulling up my Instagram right now. So Velvet Coke... Um, I... I Started following them, I think, when they had a couple hundred thousand followers less than they do now. Um, but it's this kind of aggregate um, account that posts all these old-time videos and interviews with old actors and actresses. And it shows, like, you know, also goes all the way back to, like, the 40s and, and like, you know, Elvis with Frank Sinatra. But it has such cool facts and stories about these different people. She posts, like, Princess Diana stuff. Anyway, it's absolutely incredible. I learn something new every day, and the pop culture fiend in me absolutely just 
dies over every new post. So I love it. Aesthetically, I am drooling at everything I'm seeing because it's like literally Linda Evangelista, um, Princess Di, Avril Lavigne, which my teenage self is living for. And, and, and then, they give stories in the in the captions about like things I going know. on with them. And it's amazing. You find out such cool facts. I do think it's funny though. She's whoever is running this account is really obsessed with Axel Rose and Guns N' Roses, which seems kind of funny. But she like does these all fashion roundups. Anyway, I just think it's a it's a, a very account. well run account. And if you're a millennial, like born in the late '80s, early '90s, this account will speak to you. I think totally. Um, and on my <laughs> on the negative note, I fucking hate when you get out of a subway. And your Google Maps and your phone's gyroscope decides to literally screw with you and points you in one direction, and it's the entirely incorrect address, uh, direction from where you're supposed to be going, and so it takes rude. you on a tour of that one block until you can find the direction which you're going. It drives me, someone who, like, I, th- I think I, I thought I have a good sense of direction, but I'm like, I think I have to go this way, but Google's telling me to go behind me. But there's literally places in Manhattan that even the most savvy New Yorkers wouldn't know where to go. It's true. Like all of lower Manhattan, like below the West Village, I need Google Maps at all times. At all times. Because it's not just the avenues and the cross streets. It's right. just a I don't know where I am. Fun. I literally don't know where I am. So Google Maps, help. Get help and get your shit together with the compass. Thank you. All right, let's dive into the meat of today's episode, which I'm actually really excited about because I think becoming friends, Amanda, and Romanda was becoming a person and our friendship was just blossoming. <laughs> the, the first thing that I really noticed about our relationship, and let me know how you feel about this. The first thing that I know, noticed about our relationship is how wildly different we communicate not only with each other, but with other people and just the differences there could not be any more polarized. But I think that's why I love you so much is because you challenge me to be a more balanced person. And I think it's such an interesting topic because we can, we go about the world in such a different way and communicate with other people and navigate our relationships in such a different way that I think there's so much insight there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think at it's most basic and drilling it down. I would consider myself an extrovert and Rachel, I know you consider yourself an introvert. Um, and that just really feeds into how we navigate our relationships, both in our personal life and at work. So Rachel, tell me a bit about your introverted self. Well, hi, I'm Rachel. I'm an introvert. Hi, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) Love you and hate you. (laughs) Um, yes, true. I, I'm an introvert and I've always been an introvert. Although I think as I've gotten older, as I think a lot of introverts do, I've become less shy and more introspective and more focused on my own needs rather than, um, you know, being shy, I think is comes from a place of lacking confidence in some cases. Um, but as I've gotten older, my introversions more have been about my relationships with other people because when I was a kid, this manifested in a way that I didn't, I had a hard time making friends and, but the friends I did have were like my best friends and I had really deep relationships. I just had fewer of them. Um, and in fact, as a kid too, I, I think this is kind of a funny story. I would sit in class and you know how teachers would assign like a reading, like you'd go around and every kid would like read a section. Yeah. I would literally count and see if I was sitting 
in a certain seat, I'd count and just count every single kid to know exactly what I had to read so I wouldn't fuck it up because I was so terrified of talking in front of people. Oh my God. Um, which is just so funny because my job now is largely about public speaking. So that's been an interesting transformation. Um, but yeah, I've always been an introvert and where I really get my energy and where I feel my best is through myself. Or if it's not through myself, it's through the really intimate relationships that I have, which is, which are really important to me. Yeah. Um, what about, what about you, Amanda? Who are, who are you and why are you uh, an, an extrovert? Yeah. So I'm Amanda and I'm an extrovert and, um, hi, Amanda. Well, hi Rachel. Um, <laughs> thank you for doing that right back to me. Um, yeah, I mean, growing up, I, I loved being the center of attention. I would raise my hand every day during class. I would volunteer for everything. I would want to perform songs or skits or dances that I would choreograph. Um, I've always been very high energy. Some would even call me intense. <laughs> I would call you intense for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's not for everyone. Um, but I, I think one thing is that I'm really in touch with my feelings and very self-aware, which has been, both been a blessing and a curse for me. Um, but I've always been someone that I think that people have come to for advice and listen, but I've also had strong opinions as well. And I voice them. Um, and yeah, I mean, throughout college, I would you know feel very comfortable in those big groups and meeting new people. Um, I think it led to some really important relationships. And I think that's how um, I really find energy in my life, which is through my relationships with some of my closest friends and family um, and kind of doing and having wonderful experiences, creating memories with those people. Um, so I think we wanted to level set about some myths here. Yeah, I think that's super important. I think, especially because our world is made for extroverts, right? Like there's a lot of research and there's books about being an introvert and living in an extrovert world. I think the idea of introversion, especially, um, and extroversion too, which we'll talk about. Uh, but talking about introversion in particular, it gets misconstrued. And it gets misconstrued because people equate introversion with shyness, which I've touched on a little bit. Myth one, um, debunked. Myth, myth one, debunked. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, although introverts can be shy, and I think especially when you're younger, introversion manifests as shyness. Um, because of your confidence or just comfort level with people. But for me in particular, and I think for most adult introverts, it's not about shyness. It's about where you get your energy right. and where you get energy and where you place that energy on a daily basis. And, you know, as I spoke about a little bit, where I find my energy is through a more quiet place and a place that kind of rests within me. Um, you know, the word introspective, it just it's self-referential, but I, I get my energy by being introspective. Um, and through the, the close relationships that I have with select people in my life. Um, and I find myself drained of energy when I'm around too many people. In fact, I don't do well in large groups of people and communicating, which I think obviously you do really well in. Well, I was going to say, I mean, media is by nature a really social industry. How do you manage that being an introvert? It's a challenge and it's been a process. I would say, you know, when I first started in this industry, it was right out of college five years ago, six years ago now, I guess. And, 
when you start in any job, you want to be liked, you want to be respected, you want to get along with people. And you'll probably compromise a little bit on maybe being your most authentic self because you just like really want people to accept you and, and really take you in. So I think when I first started in the industry it was that, and it was saying yes to things and just being in groups of people and going to events and talking with everybody, which for an introvert, if you're listening to this and you're an introvert, you're probably like, that sounds terrible. Um, and it wasn't terrible. It was just mentally draining a little bit at sometimes. But I think the positive is that as I've gotten older and become, you know, a little bit more senior and been able to pick and sh not pick and choose, but find ways to filter and navigate the things that are important to me or the relationships that I think are important to me. It's been really incredible because I've been able to really impact my own relationships in a much more in a place that comes from depth and not necessarily a place that comes from breadth. Um, so I think media is a space for extroverts for sure. And it rewards extroversion in many cases, but I actually find that the people that I admire most in this industry do have not, maybe they're not introverts, but they have a level of introspection and they do really well by connecting with people individually. And I think those are the people in media who really succeed in a way that sometimes extroverts just can't, or it's just, it's a different kind of success. Yeah, definitely. And I also think that a major reason also why maybe people would be surprised to hear that you're an introvert is because of your really strong social media presence. And I guess that sounds kind of funny because I mean, you can, you can be very much have a very strong and confident social media presence, but also be introverted, but it's just the confidence in which you portray yourself and your captions and what you stand for that it's everyone would be like, Oh, this girl is, you know, as outgoing and is out, well, not that you're not outgoing, but you know what I mean? Like is, is always kind of at the forefront of conversations and whatever, and you are, but I guess like talk about that. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that with social media too? Well, I think that's part of the myth that we're debunking, right? Is that introverts probably sometimes come off as not being confident in some right. cases, because if you're not speaking or you're not interacting that feels like maybe you're like scared or shy like I was just talking about um which isn't true you know I while I'm not like the queen of confidence I do in my late 20s have a sense of who I am and what makes me tick and what makes me happy um which is the place of confidence I think social media in particular is obviously a space that can be misconstrued and you know you only see the best on social media of course so just level setting that but Social media to me is a really wonderful place for introverts because it's a space in which you get to pick and choose the people that you're seeing in your feed, but also welcoming people into your world through a very visual, oftentimes creative way, which is what I really love. I love Instagram in particular because it is such a creative outlet for me. Um, and I love just being able to be super open and have one-on-one -on -one dialogues with people in a visual format. I also think that that's an interesting point you bring up, which is that uh, social media, as much as it can be a creative outlet and be a place where you can meet new people on your own terms, it can also be very draining when you're seeing other people doing X, Y, Z. And you're also, for me, it's like getting FOMO. 
And so for some reason, for, and sometimes for me, even though I love social media, it becomes this thing as an extrovert where it's like, well, I want to be there. I want to be there too. I can't even look at other people doing those things because I'm so jealous and so envious. I want to, I want to do that also. That's, that's so interesting. And I, I'm not sure I ever thought about that perspective through the lens of FOMO with introverts and extroverts, because I know there's been so many times that I can think of where you'll be like, Rach, look at this. And you'll like, show me something on Instagram and be like, can you believe this? It's so incredible. Like this event looks amazing. I'm like, yeah, it looks awesome. Like it looks great. And you're like, well, that looks great for that there. person. That person Sorry? that's there. <laughs> yeah. You want to be the person that's there. So I want, I would, I would imagine that there's probably some sort of link with having some sort of FOMO with like introvert and extrovert, because you want to be around me. You want to be around people. Like you thrive in that environment. Well, I actually think that this was definitely a learning process. And I think this art, this difference with FOMO uh, really came to light during a trip that we took a couple years ago to Cannes, France. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what story you're about to tell right now. <laughs> and it's a wild ride. It's a wild ride. <laughs> so Rachel and I um, were on a work trip um, to Cannes, France for the Young Lion Media Awards. Or it was actually, excuse me, it was the Lion Media Awards. And we were, I guess, Young Lions or whatever it's called. But um, we, uh, it was for work. We ended up writing a bunch of articles, uh, responding to some of the conf uh, conferences and the panelists. Um, and while we were there, we got to meet a bunch of interesting people. And um, a, a couple people invited us for a, a day party out in San Tropez at a beach club called Nikki Beach, um, which they have a few of them all over the world. And it's like a really popular beach club. Um, so we're so excited where we get in a boat. We both get seasick on the way out there and like boot everywhere. But great. Now we're here. Yay. Sushi on, a, on like a boat. Um, and, you know, before we know it, you know, the day club's going on and we're I'm just having the time of my life. Like I am like dancing all around. I'm in pools and meeting all these different people. Um, and I look over at Rachel and she's reading a book <laughs> at a beach club. I also think, in fact, I was probably reading Harry Potter, like maybe Game of Thrones. It was like, it was definitely like a nerdy fantasy book, probably Harry Potter. Probably. Um, and to add a little bit more color into that, it was exactly what Amanda said. You know, it's like this crazy beach club, like uns, 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 alcohol. I had been interacting with people for about an hour and I just got to this point. And if you're an introvert, you know how this feels. It's like literally you hit a point where you are like the robot who's powering down and you're like introvert must power down like can't, can't spend time with people anymore um and in that kind of environment it's so intense and it's just like where we were with like probably what a dozen people yeah. that we had just met all really incredible really smart people um but a large group like that for an introvert and a what is effectively a club it was much and it was incredible an incredible experience, but I was just like, you know, I'm going to read my book right now. And you were also, I mean, in all fairness, you were in, we were already there for like six days. So this was a, a very intense week of meeting people and schmoozing. Um, but I just remember like, kept, you know, I kept going up to Rachel being like, Hey, what's wrong? Like, why are you having fun? Are you having a good time? Cause I think it was one of the first times that we really kind of came this really, it was just such a stark contrast. And you finally said to me, Amanda, I love you. I'm fine. But the more and more you ask me, the more and more I become not fine. And, and, you, and, and the more and more I start realizing the situation, I'm reading my book. I'm super happy. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> Just like go do your thing. Be happy. Go 
also side note, Amanda negotiated a helicopter ride for us to to fly back because she made such good friends with these people and they gave us a helicopter to fly back in. I told you I'm good at this stuff. I'm really you good are. at the news. You are. You are. People love you and I love you, but I just wanted to read my book. <laughs> totally. But I think that also then leads into myth two about extroverts, which is that extroverts love big groups of people and parties always that no matter what we're into it. And um, that's not totally true. And I think a lot of times I do get such a rush from meeting new people, the curiosity that comes with hearing a, a new person's story for the first time and someone who has a lot to offer. I'm, I'm always in the state of like learning and growing. I've always been a really curious person and I love that. But I think my extroversion has evolved in the, in the way that I now spend a lot of time with a smaller group of people. And I prefer all of those people to be around mm -hmm. all the time. I would love to have five to 10 to 15 of my closest friends around me all the time. Of course, alone time is great, but I love those individuals. And I, you get, you get energy when you're around these people, these like people feel peak Amanda around like these 10, 10 so people in your life. For sure. But don't get me wrong. I go to a wedding where I know a lot of people that I haven't seen in a while. And, um, my husband Skylar will be getting hors d'oeuvres and I'll turn around and I'll be like a hundred feet away talking to like three people. It's like, Jesus, where like I, I left for one second, but I, I just love that. But it, there's a time and a place. And I think finding when that time is and where that place is has definitely evolved over the years for me. I have a question. Yeah. Have you, have you professionally or personally ever found yourself learning that as an extrovert, like learning how to navigate introverts like me or just people who are different and finding ways to adjust your personality, which is really intense. And I say intense, like in a very loving way, because you are such a strong, passionate person that it's infectious. But have you had to navigate that with people and find ways to beyond like the the silly can Sandro Pace story. Yeah, I mean, de definitely. And, and you've helped certainly with that and me just trying to adjust my personality a bit, but um, actually really learned to code switch. And I've actually, I'm not, is that a technical term, Rach? I don't know. Uh, it, it is. I think it's, it's largely, the, the way I've encountered it is largely in social media is around women talking about code switching. Um, code switching is the notion that basically you have Two different personalities you have yourself at work and you have yourself not at work um and there's a lot of research and a lot of conversation right now around women in particular being forced to code switch because we treat we tell women to act a certain way at home or personally and then we expect women to act completely differently in the professional setting got it. but continue yeah but yeah so to that same point i've really had to learn to code switch and I've always been good at kind of adapting my my personality, but it really came to light. Um, and most recently when I was working at this startup, um, I was the only um, non-engineer. All of these guys were technical and they were coders. And most coders, this is a mass generalization. I know this is not the case always, but are mostly introverts. They really like to hone in focus mm -hmm. and, and, and zone in on their work. And me being the only creative mind marketer who's doing, um, you know, doing sales, doing PR, doing all these kind of other things, 
I really had the big personality kind of coming in. I think it helped a lot with office culture, but at the same time, I could see and read on people's faces when I was becoming quote unquote too much. And so I had to kind of switch and say, okay, how do I adapt to this person who I need to get these answers from because I'm new and, and they have the info, but how do I do that in a way that they respond best to? And how do I adjust my personality to still be me, but to do it in a way that is easy for them to, to respond to? Or, um, and I always do this thing where I'm like, I'm going to get you to like me. I'm going to break you no matter what. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> and I think quote unquote breaking people has, has changed when I was working at, at the startup for sure. Are most of your friends extroverts? Yes, actually. I would say yeah. I would say 90%. Funny enough, I think my husband is an introvert. Skylar's totally an, an, an introvert for sure. Yeah, and it was hard for me because, so by the way, I have a husband. I don't know if I mentioned that on the first podcast, but I've been with my <laughs> um, partner for 10 years and we actually together on and off through college. But when I was, I, you know, feasibly had to actually navigate two different college scenarios. And Skylar, by the end, he, I would have people texting me from his friend group at his college about things to do. And they wouldn't even text him and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> but this is just like, that's the way. But yeah, I was definitely, definitely surround myself with mostly extroverts. What about you? Most of my friends are actually extroverts too. In fact, probably my closest friends are all very similar to you and that you're all incredibly extroverted in different, different ways and different capacities. But yeah, I'm mostly friends with extroverts and Matt, my partner of 10 years is probably the person that I'm closest with who is an introvert. How interesting is that? So both of our partners are introverts. You surround yourselves. I don't know, like I, I need more data. <laughs> you need more, I need data. more data. What if, does this mean? I know if anyone um, out there as either introvert, extrovert, love to hear about the types of personalities that you're surrounding yourselves with or the personality types that you find most attractive um, mm. based on your personality, um, which I think could be an interesting thing. I mean, what, so what are the, what are the main, I guess, challenges and like, what are you doing to reconcile that? And how are you, how are you kind of moving forward? How are you evolving, Rach? How am I evolving? Well, I think, it's interesting because as I said, you know, being an introvert, especially in a field that is that largely rewards in many cases, extroversion has been a challenge, but a really, a really fun challenge because it's allowed me to identify what I really like and what I like externally, but also like what I like about myself. And one key challenge that's still, still something that I'm working on and something that in fact, I don't think I'm perfect at right now is as an introvert, you internalize a lot of things and you're in your head a lot, um, which means that sometimes you seek approval from external places. So then you can like ruminate on it and think about it and be really neurotic about it. Um, and there's this article that I read last year about self-esteem. And when I read self-esteem, I thought this article isn't going to apply to me. Like in my late twenties, physical appearances, like, well, certainly something that I think every woman deals with until the day that they die, unfortunately, it's more about like mental, mental health at this point. Um, so I read the article and it was about how, and we'll link it in the show notes because I think it was really well done. It's about how 
women take self-esteem and forget that self-esteem actually means walking into a room and knowing that you are valuable and that you are good and that you don't need approval externally. Mm. And as an introvert, as I said, because you internalize things so much and these external factors can really affect you, I most of the time look for approval externally. And if someone doesn't verbally tell me that was really well done or great job, I'll immediately think of the shit and whatever I just did wasn't a success. I feel the exact same way. I did that, but kind of on the opposite plane, which is if I didn't speak the most or if I didn't command a room when I thought I should have, then somehow I didn't do a good job. But I don't always need to be the loudest or the most talkative voice in the room to make the most impact. And, I, and it's like, almost like, how do you even quantify that? Right? right. Like, is that something that you just decide in your head that I was the most commanding? I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, did I feel like I asked a good question? Do I feel like I responded to people? Did I feel like I volunteered for the projects that I should have volunteered for? Whatever that may be. I don't know. But I always feel like, yeah, maybe I didn't do a good job. But I think that's something we need to learn from, which is we got to stop being so highly critical of ourselves. You have to be so highly, stop being so highly critical of yourselves. What's interesting about you versus me in that scenario is I think you, it's like internal and how you were manifesting externally, but me, it's how externally it's manifesting to me internally, right? Yeah, totally. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I feel like some of the, I guess, other challenges that I constantly come in contact with, which is um, that I think sometimes I am so I want to be so open and like, and relatable that I, I share too much. <laughs> Do you share too much? Not like to you, but sometimes I'll be with people <laughs> that I just met and I'm like, why did I say that? Yeah. I feel like at this point you can't overshare with me. I know, like I, the thing you, nothing you would say would shock me. <laughs> they're literally nothing. Um, <laughs> but I sometimes overshare and, and my mom's always like, you shouldn't always talk so much. I mean, you guys shouldn't always overshare. I'm like, mom, it's like a different generation. You can like, <laughs> tell people now that you know whatever but I side know. note can can susan be like a like or you being susan be like a guest star on the show at least once once an episode 100 100 my mom i do a great impression of my mom that is totally hyperbolized and fictional but <laughs> it really makes me happy and i think it makes most people happy because it's so ridiculous. we love susan she's the best okay so rach how do you define success the way that i define success I think for me largely is about creation. And what I mean by that is I feel my best and I feel the most sense of worth when I'm creating things. And I use the term creating in the most large broad sense. So whether that's at work and like creating ideas or creating something that someone will eventually use or see or listen to or hear, um, all the way to very small micro, potentially somewhat frivolous things like creating a really beautiful post on social media. Um, the idea of just creating things that live for me that eventually other people can experience and enjoy, um, either in partnership with a team of people um, or collaborating with somebody else, which is how I really like to work. I like collaborating on a small, smaller group on a one-to-one -one basis. That is when I feel my best is around creating, making, um, and just manifesting things. And then of course, if, on a personal level, um, slightly different is having really deep relationships and 
having relationships that aren't rooted in superficiality, but just being able to connect with people in a, a way that moves beyond small talk or, hey, how are you? What's new? How is this? How is that? But allowing for really interesting conversations. And that is when I feel my most fulfilled. Um, but what about you? What does success mean to you, Amanda? Honestly, you kind of hit the nail on the head for me too. I would say something very similar. I would just almost say that it's the building, creating things professionally, but the really the most important thing for me in work and in life is building really incredible and incredible relationships. It's making memories with people. I am, I feel like I'm at my happiest, my happiest when I have all the people that I love around me um, or people that I just get a go, uh, get along with really well. So I would say it's about really building those relationships. Do you think as, as an extrovert, it's challenging. I'm, tr I'm truly curious about this. Is it challenging to maintain the significant network of people that you have in your life? Cause I find myself at this point being like, I got to get rid of some people. Like there's, there's too many of you. And I, I love, I love so many of you, but I'm just like, what, what do I do? Is that hard? It's been really, it's really hard because I actually, I genuinely and authentically want to remain friends with as many people as possible, but there's just not enough time in the day. So for me, I feel like sometimes I come off a bit flaky because I overcommit to saying I'm, I'm the constant girl. That's like, Hey, Oh my God, it's so good to see you. Let's get drinks. Let's get a coffee. But at the end of the day, I enjoy alone time and I just sometimes take on too much. And it's just, I'd rather see some closer people before those individuals. Right. So it's just tough, even though I, I don't want to be that flaky person. I sometimes overcommit. It's just the way it is. I just think about that a lot. And I mean, you have like, you have a large group of friends around you. And sometimes like, I, I can't believe I know all of them because you have so many amazing people around you. And I just wonder how you do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's impressive. We've all got our things. I mean, I could never be alone, alone, probably as much as you. Like I feel this, and this is, I mean, I feel the sense that like, I, even if someone's not talking to me, just them sitting next to me, I feel some, I feel better. You feel better. Just having yeah. someone else's presence around me. And I think that that's a th advice for myself moving forward, which is being able to be alone with myself without a screen once a week, I need a day just to be completely alone. I mean, you, I think you know this. Like, yeah. There are times where you're like, want to hang out on Sunday? And I'm like, nope, that's alone time day. Alone time day. But I love <laughs> that it. That is a great day. But, but I think that leads into kind of another thing, which is I think a great thing, piece of advice for everyone is do more of the things that give you energy. Mm -hmm. If being alone makes you happy, then find time to do that. If being around and it doesn't need to be a whole day it can be an hour like you should literally if that is what makes you be more productive at work that is what makes you happy at home you should spend that hour for yourself or, or with other people or with other people make time for like. the experiences the projects the people the the places that give you that much needed fuel to go about your life exactly and then i guess like balancing really in ways that that benefit you, right? Allowing that evolution. I wasn't always happy just with, you know, five or even 10 close people. I wanted as many as possible, but it's really evolved for me since becoming, since not being able to choose and say, I don't need to be in a classroom with 40 other people. I can just be with around the people that I really want to be around. And I think the, what you said about balance leads to an important final point that I would like to make around 
uh, our favorite thing in the world, which is the Myers-Briggs personality test. Yes, you heard correctly. Rachel and I have a favorite thing that is a <laughs> a psychological test, <laughs> an emotional test. Such dorks. Um, but yeah, but the Myers-Briggs test is a personality theory that uses eight different combinations, excuse me, eight different qualities, 16 different personality types to define who you are because personalities while seemingly random are actually with these components quite consistent and orderly so you have extrovert slash introvert sensing slash intuitive thinking or feeling um judging or perceiving and same same but different i'm an enfp and rachel i'm an i i am an infp so we are legitimately the same but we just communicate differently so so crazy and i i would recommend um that everyone we do this i think we take i took it already in 2019 i take it as once a year just to make sure i keep knowing myself like amanda you good you good i so i took it at the beginning of this year and i made every single person on my team at work take it because i immediately was like i need to know who all of you are and i cannot function until i know who all of you are i love uh, one year i was an infj it was like a really weird and plot twist. It was a weird time in my life. I was like going through some transitional things. Um, and I've, I balance a little bit between INFP and INFJ, but I think this whole point of it is that you should not be an extreme of anything. Like the, the, probably the good versions of yourself are where you're a little bit more balanced and you're, you're seeking that balance and seeking to adjust things a little bit without compromising who you are as an individual. Yes. So as always, very therapeutic. I think this podcast is actually just for free therapy sessions. It's literally Rachel and Amanda doing therapy over podcast, a memoir. A memoir. A memoir. <laughs> um, so let's close out with some bad babe words of wisdom. Let's do it. I love how we are closing these out on quotes. Um, so there's this quote by Deepak Chopra that I've been obsessing over for the last week. Um, so I'm excited to share it here. So the quote is, if you obsess over whether you are making the right decision, you are basically assuming that the universe will reward you for one thing and punish you for another. The universe has no fixed agenda. Once you make any decision, it works around that decision. There is no right or wrong, only a series of possibilities that shift with each thought, feeling, and action that you experience. I love that. It also just really brings back the ownership of like, listen, you're good and you're in control it's all about you and, and your choice. It's all about you and your choice and where you decide to place your energy. And there is no right or wrong in that regard. I love it. Well, thanks so much for tuning in and hope to see you guys back here again soon. Thanks, guys. If you like listening to Average Female Leads, please don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We'd love to have you as part of the Average Female Leads family. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode.